Good morning. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Joshua, chapter 18. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they'll get you one. Joshua chapter 18, we're going to look at verse 3 to start off with. In verse 3 it says, So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Since I have come to the Lord, I, I had a testimony before of how I lived and then I, I came to faith in Jesus. But I, I have another testimony that is probably a little deeper and now is actually spanned a longer length of time. And, and that testimony is what's happened to me after I came to faith in Christ. Because let's face it, when we come to to the Lord and we give our lives and we become followers of Jesus, there's a lot that needs to take place. There's a lot of changes that need to go on. And those changes aren't always easy. And sometimes it almost seems that a greater change takes place, at least noticeable in my own life in that period of time than from that first initial step to finding faith in Christ. Yeah, I, I enter from death to life, but then life has to develop within me, and it's something that's new, and it's something that is constantly at work within me. Years ago, I had a 1971 Datsun pickup. Some of you don't even know what a Datsun is, okay? What's a Datsun? It was before it became Nissan, and it was a, a powder blue Datsun pickup. And the back was kind of raised a little, so it was a little buggy kind of a thing. And I had to rebuild the engine one time, and after I got the engine built, I wanted it to have, you know, get up and go. And so I, I put this Weber dual carb on it, but I'm not a mechanic. I, I didn't do it as well as I should have. It would go really fast sometimes, but sometimes it wouldn't go. It would stall out. I still don't know why. And what would happen is I would come to a stoplight or a stop sign somewhere where I'd stop, and if I didn't keep revving it up, it would just die. And then it wouldn't start. And so I had this can of, I don't know what it was. It was high-octane something. And it had this little nozzle, and if my car ever stalled, I would have to pop the hood, run out there, spray this stuff in the carburetor, run back, and then it would fire up. You could actually see a flash sometimes from inside. I know that's not good, but I got really good at this. I mean, if it stalled, I could get out there, start it, and get back in there before the light would, you know, you'd even know. I was fast. I was young. Uh, I was fast. But I was able to jumpstart this car after it would stall, and, and then it would go. And you know what? Sometimes our lives, as we've, we've come to faith in Christ, it's learning how to live in this life of promise that God has given us that sometimes takes the most out of us 
and we find ourselves stalling. We find ourselves coming up to places and we just need some octane to get us going, to get us back in to the game. And I think I've had the most difficulties trying to live this Christian life, live in the awareness and obedience to the promises of God. It was a lot easier just to come to faith and say, yeah, I surrender and, and God met me there, but now I'm, I'm having to, to grow. I'm having to trust. I'm having to have faith. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I stall. And what I need is the quickening of God's spirit to fuel my life again so I can move forward. You know, in England, when England and Scotland were fighting and they were, Scotland was raiding the farms of England, what they did was they built castles to, to guard themselves and protect themselves. And if you go back there, there are some castles that are, are intact and, and still in great shape today, and there are some that are in ruins that have just decayed and corrupted over the years. And, and what they found out is that some of these castles, they were actually able to build them around a spring of water so that there was a, a natural spring inside the fortress. And others, they built and they had a pipeline going to those water sources. And well, the Scots, what they figured out is if we could cut the water supply off, eventually they're going to have to come out and fight. Because the supply was cut off, and then they could go in and conquer that city. But the ones that were built on the spring of water that had the water supplying within them, they were able to sustain themselves and live. And the same thing is true with us. If the Spirit of God is not quickening us and refreshing us and moving us, spraying that octane in our lives, we easily stall out, and pretty soon the walls start crumbling and our lives start faltering because we're not moving forward in this life that we've been called to live. And we see that happening here with the children of Israel. They're in the land of promise. The wars have been won. There are no more armies in Canaan. There's little pockets of people throughout, but the battle is won. Just like for us, Christ has won the victory. He has conquered sin and death. We have life in him. But you see, what needs to take place now is the daily conquering of the enemy of our soul that daily fight that we need to press on and press into this life. Last week we talked about Caleb and the example of endurance that he was, that after 45 years he still had the vision of what God had promised him and he didn't give up after 45 years. And see, what we need to recognize is that there is something there for us. There is a life that we are supposed to be living. There is something that God has for us if we will step into it. But I think a lot of times we, we think that, well, I've become a Christian. This is it. I go to church, read my Bible, do devotions, maybe go to a Bible study, get involved with some functions, and, and that's it. 
and we don't realize that, no, that, that's not it. What there is is the power to transform our lives into something new, something complete, something powerful. There is a spring of water that is able to refresh our souls wherever we are at that God has for us. And so Joshua starts out and says, how long before you take possession of the land that God promised to your forefathers? When are you going to do it? Now this promise that he gave to the forefathers, we, we kind of see a little bit more about it. Turn to chapter 21, verse 43 and 45. God has distributed the land to seven other tribes and broken it up so that they would know their place. And in verse 43 of chapter 21, it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers. And they took possession of it and settled there. Now, what does Israel mean? It means governed by God. Remember, Israel was the name that was given to Jacob when he was wrestling with God and God took his name and says, you will no longer be called Jacob, you will be Israel. And Israel now represented his children, those who belong to God, God's possession. Paul says that we are the Israel of God. We belong to God now. And so he promised his forefathers that they would take possession of the land and settle there. Verse 44, it says, the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their forefathers not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord handed all their enemies over to them. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Not one of his promises failed. Every one was fulfilled. God held up his part of the bargain. He told Jacob, he told Abraham, he revealed it to Moses, I'm going to give them this area. And he fulfilled what he said he would do. So what was the problem? It wasn't God's problem. It was Israel's problem. God had done his part. They needed to step in and trust and believe God would do what he said he was going to do. Now, it's amazing to look at how God promised these things. And it's beautiful to look at the promises of God that he gave to the children of Israel. To Benjamin, he said, Let the beloved of the Lord, speaking of Benjamin, rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That the Lord protects him. He shields him all day long. I think of Jesus when he said, my sheep hear my voice and no one can pluck them out of my hands. You see, these promises that were given to Israel very much reflect to us as well. That God is a shield about us. And I think of Resting between his shoulders, I think of when you hold your kid on your back. You're carrying them. 
You're taking care of them. And so this was the promise given to Benjamin, that I will have this land for you and I am going to be a shield about you. To Issachar it says, they will feast on the abundance of the seas, on the treasures hidden in the sand. This is your inheritance. You'll be able to enjoy the the plentiful supply that is in the sea and the riches that are there in the desert. Of Ashar, it says, the bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze, and your strength will equal your days. In other words, as long as you live, you will be strong. What a promise. God says, this is what I have for you. You will be strong. As long as you are alive, you will be strong. I think of Paul in Romans saying, What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. If God is for you, who can be against you? You see, that's God's promise. That's how God sees the picture. This one is beautiful for Jeshurun. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides on the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you. Do you see your God riding on the heavens to help you? Or do you see yourself alone and weak? God sees the promise that he has for us that underneath us are the everlasting arms, arms that do not grow weak, arms that do not fail. You mamas know how it is to hold kids. I remember Corrine when we had the twins, she'd have to balance them, you know, and you get it so that ladies are good at this. You got the hip, you know, and you put them on your hips so you can kind of rest. You just get a position, and man, you can hold them for so long, but man, after a while, your arm gets tired, your back is sore. Well, God's arms are everlasting. They never get tired of holding us. Do you see that? Do you realize that that is our inheritance? God who will not fail? A God who rides on the wind to help us in our time of need? Do you see him as that? Do you realize none of his promises have failed. Then as Joshua said to the children of Israel, when will you take possession of it? When will you own this as reality? When will you put faith and stock in what God has said and what he has promised to us? You see, if you don't lean into it, You will never know it. The writer of Hebrews said that the reason the children of Israel died in the desert, those that did not enter the promise, they did not enter the promise because of unbelief, chapter 3 tells us of Hebrews, because they didn't believe that God was who he said he was. They were worried about the Anak, the giants in the land, They didn't trust in God who rushed on the wind in majesty to help them. 
And in this life of promise that we are living, following after Christ, it's impossible to please Him without faith. If we don't trust in Him, we will never enjoy the benefits that He has. We will be in the land, or maybe we'll even go back to the other side of Jordan. Even though we are His, we are saved, we do not enjoy the benefits because we don't step into the promise. We don't possess the land. We don't claim the promises and live in them. That's for someone else, not for me. And our lives are less because we don't realize that God is for us. When Corrine and I were dating, probably about a year into our relationship, there was this week where I felt like she was distant. And I was insecure and paranoid. She's beautiful. I'm me. (laughs) She used to have guys leaving notes on her car, strangers, just saying, hey, you know, You don't know me, but I'd like to get to know you. (laughs) They would just drive by, see her, and leave notes on her cars, okay? And that only helped my insecurities. I'm all looking around. Who is this guy, you know? And I remember there was a time when I felt like she was distant. She wasn't communicating with me. She was kind of vague. I would ask her things, and she was almost secretive, and I thought, she likes someone else, or she just wants out. And this went on in my mind. I I was sure of it. She's done with me. And it was kind of coming to this one day where, you know, we were going to go out, and I was like, are we going to go out? And she goes, yeah, sure, you know, okay. And you don't sound really enthusiastic. Well, maybe come by a little bit later. And I was like, why later? You know, why not now? What's going on? You know, I'm freaking out. (laughs) You know how hard it is to bear my soul like this to you guys? <laughs> yeah, I just said, hey, take me or leave it. No, I was, no, are you going to leave? I was like, What's... And I was going to go and meet her, and I was thinking, you know what? I think it's over. I think this relationship is done. And my truck, the blue one with the carburetor, stalled and broke down and I was I maybe ran out of spray I don't know what it was but I had to work on my truck before I could get over to her house and I was thinking you know what I don't know I don't know if I should even go maybe I should just back out of this right now because I just sense that she's not really into this relationship finally got the truck started now, this was before cell phones, so I had to find a phone to call her and say, uh, this is what's going on. And she's like, oh, okay, all right. And she just, again, seemed distant. Something wasn't clicking there. We weren't communicating. I felt there was a gulf between us. And so I, I pull up to her house thinking, this is over. Kind of devastated, emotionally trying to deal with it before it actually happens. I walk inside the house and... All my friends are there, and they say, surprise. 
and it's a party for me. And you see, she was vague. She was distanced because she was hiding something from me. She was having a party for me. Yeah, I felt stupid. (laughs) And you're thinking, well, you should. But you guys, here's the thing. I was this close to losing the love of my life not understanding that she really cared for me, walking away from the best thing that ever happened to me because I didn't understand that she really did love me. And some of you are in that place with God. You're saying, no, he's distant. I don't don't hear his voice like I used to. What's going on? And you don't realize that he is riding on the wind for you in majesty to help you that he'll put you on his shoulders, that none of his promises will fail. And the love of our lives is right there waiting for us to open the door. And you see, this relationship with God is one that is supposed to be active, one that is supposed to be involved. We, we talked about this at the Young Adults last Friday about how What does it mean to believe in something? Well, do you believe God's there? Well, it depends. If you really believed he was present, would we do all the things that we do? And you see, this active relationship is what he wants, a relationship that is dynamic, a relationship that is powerful, a relationship that is visionary, a relationship that changes us from day to day, from struggle to struggle as we step into the promises and into the land that he has for us. And when I entered into that house and I realized, wow, she really does care for me. I was able to enjoy the relationship after I apologized to her and she said, what's with you anyway? Nothing, nothing's with me. Then I was able to enjoy the benefits of our relationship and, and enjoying her company, enjoying the party, enjoying the time that we had with our friends. Because I realized the truth. And some of us need to embrace the truth in spite of how we're feeling and need to battle through those struggles. Some of us, it's habits, it's addictions that we've had and we we have a hard time letting go Some of us, it's the difficulties in our lives, situations. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's financial. And we have to daily take that step and trust and say, I I believe that your promises are true, God. I'm not going to abandon what I know is true. And even though I am tortured in my soul and I struggle in my body or finances or whatever it is, I am not going to let go of what is the best thing in my life. I'm not going to allow my life to stall out I am going to step into the the life you have for me and take possession of it. And some of us need to do that. We need to step into that, lean into it, and have faith. Because remember, it was unbelief that kept them 
from entering into the promise. And it is unbelief that will keep us from enjoying the life that God has for us because we do not believe that he would ride on the wind to help us, that he loves us so much that he gave his son. And we need to believe. We need to have that faith. If we are going to enjoy the benefits of his promise, we need to lean and trust into it even further. In chapter 22, it goes on. And we, we, we're at the end where Joshua has seen the destruction of the Canaanite armies. But now they have to start living the promises that God had, the ones that we just read that he gave to the different tribes. And in chapter 22, starting at verse 9, it says, So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in Canaan to return to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. When they came to Gileath near Jordan, the land of Canaan, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. Now, remember, these two and a half tribes had to go into the land and battle besides their brothers, help them take the land. But they told Moses, We want this land on the other side of Jordan. It's fertile. We like it for our crops. Moses said, you can have it, but you have to help them gain the inheritance. After you've helped them battle, you can go back. And so with Joshua's blessing that takes place earlier, he says, you guys can go. You fulfilled your part. Go back now. Enjoy your land, all your crops, all the the gains and riches you've gotten from battling and conquering these other cities. Take that back and bless your own families with it. You're free to go. You fulfilled your obligation. So they go back and they build an imposing altar. In verse 11 it says, And when the Israelites heard that they had built an altar on the border of Canaan, At Gileoth, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. What? These are their brothers. What's going on? Well, we know that what's happening is they feel that they have now built another altar. You weren't supposed to have another altar. There was the temple, the tabernacle. That was the altar. And so now they see them as they're worshiping other gods or they're going to turn their back on what God has instructed us to do and they're going to turn. We can't allow that. We have to take them out. Now, this is what I want to grab hold of. They weren't willing to take out the people who were still in their own land, but they were willing to take out their brothers on the other side. It's amazing what motivates us. It's amazing how we can feel defeated and, and beat up and know I can't, I can't get up and, and go you know, to church because I'm just tired. But boy, I'll, you know, I've got to get up and go take care of other things. I remember you know, 
we're talking about getting up at 8.30 to go to a soccer game for your kids. I'm like, oh boy, that sounds like fun. You know, see, you know, six-year-olds run around and play soccer. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. But we get up, why? Because we have to for our kids. We got to do that. But boy, getting to church by nine, man, it's something. You don't understand what it takes for me to get there. You can get to the soccer game at 8.30. What's the deal? And we have this pick and choose of what we have the energy for, don't we? Why? Well, I love my kids and I want to be there for my kids. And so I'm motivated by the love. But what does that say about what we love for the Lord? And as it goes on, jump down to verse 21. Because they go there. In verse 13 first, let's start. It says, so the Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, to the land of Gilead to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With him they sent ten of the chief men, one for each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israel clans. And they asked him, what are you guys doing? Building this altar. You know you're not supposed to do that. Don't you remember what happened when the other people built an altar? Don't you remember what happened to Achan, how he was destroyed because he took what the Lord said not to? Are you going to be disobedient? If you are, we're going to wipe you out. Paraphrase. Verse 21, it says, Then Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, The mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows, and let Israel know, if this had been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us to account. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. The Reubenites and the Gadites, you have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. And so it's actually the opposite. We're building this altar to say, we belong to you guys. We're with you. This is to connect us to the altar that is over there. We're not against you. But isn't it amazing how quick we are to judge? How quick we are to make those kinds of judgments. In James it says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Direct your energy, your passions, the right way. It's amazing how we like to gossip, how we like to talk about people. We're so ready to listen to those things. We're so ready to stir it up. It it comes so easy. 
we, we get excited if we're talking about something that we can throw dirt on. Proverbs, it says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. They weren't willing to fight and take what God had promised for them, but they were, were willing to fight against their own brothers because it stirred them up in some way. And to me, it was telling because I think the truth is same for us. As we live this life in the promises of God, we struggle with certain areas, but some areas we have the energy to do things that are destructive. We give of ourselves in areas that are not healthy for us or our brothers. We don't mind gossiping. We don't mind talking bad about things. We don't mind engaging ourselves in this activity, but we have a hard time engaging ourselves in this activity. And you see, that's a pitfall that we have. We have to recognize the promises of God that they need to be fought after and the energies that we would use towards these other areas. We need to refocus them and use them to the things that God would have us to do. And quit talking about each other. Quit fighting amongst each other. There's a bigger battle that needs to happen within each of us. There, there is territory that we need to claim in our lives. There is victory that we need to own. Focus. Focus, people. Engage in the things that God has for us. And leave the peripheral things alone. Use your energy wisely. Invest of yourself wisely because if you are going to enjoy the promise of God you have to focus you're not going to win the race if you stop to take a coffee break you're not going to win the war if you go on leave you don't take a vacation from your relationship with God It is our lives. And it's not that you have to do certain things. You are living in him. He is our life. He's with us wherever we go. Where are you going to go away from God? Are you going to take a vacation from God? Where? I don't even want to know where that would be. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, still you are there with me. Do You see, we, we can't escape God, nor should we want to, because he loves us. He's there to help us. He's there to strengthen us. And so whatever you do, ask yourself, am I a part of what God's wanting to do? Am I, am I engaging in the things that God wants me to do to gain the things that are going to be healthy and beneficial for my life? Or am I running from God? Is my life stalling? And I, I'm putting him on the back burner and I'm taking my energy now and focusing it somewhere else instead of where I need to. We all do it. We all do it in some way. I'll catch myself just in the way I'm thinking in the battle of my own soul and I'm thinking, oh, I got I to gotta study. And I get an attitude. Why? Because I haven't watched Lost yet, you know, and I, or whatever. The game is on. I 
can't watch the Laker game. I've got to study. And, and I just, it breaks my heart. I feel like once again I'm coming up the door knocking, not realizing, oh, you had something so much better for me. Why, why would I hesitate? Why would I not take the lot that you've given me and enjoy it and be blessed by it? Because it's not a burden. Jesus said, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn of me. For I am humble, meek, and you will find rest for your souls. Where are we going to find the rest? It's with him. It's in the lot that he has for us. It's in the inheritance that God has for us. Are you tired? Maybe you're investing in the wrong things. Maybe you need to lean into the Lord. Have faith. Believe that he has the best for you. And live like it. And see what he does. Let's pray. Father, it is this life of promise that has so much potential. And with that potential, there is also so much that can be regretted if we don't take what you have. There is so much harm that can be done to our own persons, God, if we fail to have faith in you. Our lives can be wrecked if we don't allow your spirit to refresh us. We become like those cities that crumble and have no supply because we have not believed the promises, allowed your spirit to refresh us, to quicken us, to have an active and living relationship with you where you speak to us and we speak to you and we we cry to you and you run to our aid and you help us and you chasten us. Everyone who you love, you discipline. Sometimes we run from that discipline. Sometimes we run from that commitment. Sometimes we run from our responsibility to take what you have and to make it ours, to trust in you. It's so easy to, to lean and trust in something else or someone else. It's what we've known all our lives, and trusting in you sometimes takes more energy. Fighting for what you have is harder than fighting for the things that we are used to. God, help us to see, help us to believe, and help us to live for you, that our lives would exemplify, God, your promises, that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort us. 
Lord, that we would recognize your presence with us, that you carry us on your shoulders, that our strength will remain as long as we're alive, that you will rush to aid for those you love. May we not hesitate, God. May we not hold back. May we seek what it means to know you, to love you, to live for you. God, may our lives of faith be an adventure, an excitement, that we have a relationship with the living God who speaks to us, who convicts us, who comforts us, who cares about us. Oh, God, that's beyond our ability to comprehend, and yet it's true and it's there before us. It is our inheritance as we belong to you. May it not be neglected. May we embrace it and may we flourish in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.